I'd love to close this prayer session by going back to Jeremiah 33, verse 3. And today, tonight, I want to focus a lot on fervent prayer that brings revival. Call unto me and I will answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things which you knoweth not. That's Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Just a bit of a recap. We said that the wording of this verse, call to me, tells us that there has to be a spirit of prayer. By spirit of prayer, I'm talking about an attitude we must carry, but that also it's a, an anointing that is on our lives and the kind of hearts that we carry. Prayer is the only thing that pierces the darkness, pierces all the circumstances, and lifts you out of the mud so that your life can proceed. If you don't pray, there's certain things about your life that will be limited. There's levels you will never reach to. Places you will never reach to. There are God opportunities and doors that God opened that you will not be able to see. As a result, you will not be able to go through those doors. And so God says, call unto me. And he makes us a promise. He says, if you call unto me, I will answer. And I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. That expression, call to me, is a word for prayer. And we noted how throughout the Bible, the word for prayer is the word that talks about shouting, crying, calling. The New Testament itself, when it uses the word for prayer, it describes prayer as striving with something, laboring as Jesus did with sweat and tears in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a spirit of prayer that was intense. And God wants us to have that intensity. Also, the word for prayer is fervency, which we'll talk about tonight. Fervent prayer. Fervent prayer. This is when your heart is on fire. It's when your heart is calling out to God and you are expecting something. You are intentional. You are focusing on something. You are believing for something. You are praying that something should change. It's prayer that is intense. We see Epaphras praying this way for the believers in Colossae. Colossians 4.12 Epaphras, who is one of you? A born servant of Christ greets you. Always. Somebody say always. always. Somebody say always. always. Somebody shout always. always. Always 
laboring how fervently for you in prayers so you can tell when epaphras prayed it wasn't a silent prayer it wasn't a half-hearted prayer it wasn't an afterthought thing he went into this with screaming shouting calling fervency striving intensity importunity always laboring fervently for you in prayers and know the subject of his prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God the NIV reads Epaphras who is one of you a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings he is always wrestling so this fervency has an element of wrestling when we talk about fervency is a struggling the wrestling the intensity it says always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God fully matured and fully assured so write this down fervent prayer is wrestling prayer if you've ever seen people wrestling it's a fight they are not just lukewarm they don't just stroll around they are not casual they are there to win they're going to use everything at their disposal to make sure that they subdue the opponent and so god wants us to have fervent prayer so fervent prayer is wrestling prayer fervent prayer is effectual prayer it is one that is directed for the intent of answering it's an effectual fervent prayer as we read in James chapter 5 it is this effectual fervent prayer that is there of a righteous man these two words speak of striving agony laboring these are all words that talks about the intensity and the depth of the soul or the depth of the spirit lifting up your voice we note this effectual fervent prayer in some translations is translated as the earnest prayer when you are earnest you are eager you are serious you are sincere it's very interesting that James uses this as we said last time to make reference to the prayer that Elijah prayed that it shouldn't rain and he prayed again that it should rain and so this word fervent is what we find in Philippians 4:6 and that word is the greek word deesis d e i s i s and it's translated fervent prayer and that word pictures a person or depicts a person who has some type of lack in their life and because of that lack they are pleading strongly for the lack to be met so when we are fervent in prayer when we are effectual in prayer we are pleading fervently that what we are asking for will be met by god this word in the king james bible is translated in the following words to beseech 
to beg, to appeal earnestly. It pictures a person in such great need that they feel compelled to push aside their pride out of the way so that they can go and ask. This is where you don't care who you are. You don't care about your status. You don't care who is looking at you. You don't care who says what about you. Your heart is gripped with a need. And you are going to go out with all passion, with all earnestness. You are going to ask for assistance. You are going to approach somebody to help you. And that somebody is no one else but Jehovah God Almighty. Who says, call unto me. Call unto me. And so the Bible uses that word deesis as well. To talk about Elijah. Fervent prayer. Passionate prayer. Heartfelt prayer. Sincere prayer. In other words, we come to God on the most serious terms. Strongly beseeching him to move and meet a specific need that we are praying for and facing in our lives. And when we pray these prayers, these fervent prayers, God says, I will answer. In his answering, he does several things. Number one, he answers us. Number two, he shows us great and mighty things which we know not. Number three, he opens up the mysteries to us. But number four, when, we, when God begins to answer, he rends the heavens and he sends the rain of revival upon us. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. You see, the nice thing about this is God doesn't just take care of our physical needs. God takes care of our spiritual needs. Because you see, when you pray, it's not only that God answers you, but in your praying, you get changed yourself. Ah, am I talking to somebody in the house? You can never pray at this level without you changing. You can never pray at this level without your spiritual life going to another level. Somebody say another level. Tell three people, tell three people, neighbor, you are going to another level. You are going to another level. When God sends revival, when God rains the heavens, when the rain falls, and it's good it's raining right now. <laughs> Think about it, Barcelona. When natural rain began to fall at the beginning of September, after we have gone through months and months of dryness, deadness, lifelessness, no productivity, some of our provinces had drought, water scarcity, and the, 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 the people who work with the weather, the meteorologists, what do you call them? Me, meteorologists. When they talk about what happens during 
a dry season. They say up in the atmosphere there, there, there is bad eons and, 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 and negative eons that hang around in the atmosphere. These are just the charge in the atmosphere and a certain negativity just hangs around. And when it's dry, the cry designed us. People get sick, it's dry, there's no rain. You can even look at the animal kingdom. You see them just strutting around slowly, no life. But once it rains, once it rains, all the... Ne- Oh, God is saying, hey, the heavens are, the heavens are saying something. Yeah, if you don't say amen, the heavens will say amen for you. Once it rains, all the negativity that hangs around in the atmosphere gets cleared. Oh, come on, somebody, say hallelujah. And then that water starts to bring forth new life. The coming of the rain spells a new beginning. All the seeds that have been hibernating underground, the minute they get the rain, they start to release what's on the inside of them. When the rain of God comes on you, you're going to start releasing what God has put on the inside of you. And life begins. And so I want to show you tonight how when we call upon God, He sends the rain. Not only does He meet our physical needs, not only does He show us miraculous things and mysterious things as we learned, but He rains the heavens and He sends revival. Somebody say revival. Look at your neighbor and say revival. Look at your other neighbor and say revival. Look at your other neighbor and say revival, neighbor. Look at your other neighbor and say, especially you, neighbor, revival where? Now you need revival. Go with me to Isaiah 64. We're going to use this to look at seven things that happen when God sends revival. Seven things that happen in your life when God sends revival. Are you there, Barcelona? Look at your neighbor, Mosheb. Shabbat your neighbor. Neighbor, are you there? Check them again. Are they there? All right. Have you found Isaiah 64? Aribaling, from verse 1 to verse 4. I'm reading the New King James Version or the King James Bible. Read the first word. I can't hear you. Say it again. 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 I remember a few years ago, I was listening to Carlton Pearson talking about the African-American style of singing that they used to use, particularly back then, 
under oppression as slaves in the plantations. And it, it, it's, the, the, the style of singing is similar on the entire continent. If you look at our style of music as Africans, our music doesn't generally have many, many words. Uh, we, 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 we have few words. And the style of African music is to be repetitious. Because the African way of singing, it's not just the words you sing. You've got to connect with what you are saying. And you've got to sing it out of your soul. That expression, oh, it's, it's an expression of a heartfelt call. Words that are not on the lips, but words that emanate from the depth of the soul. That word, oh. It's a word that expresses intense desire. That word speaks of fervency, striving, earnestness. Oh! Oh! You know, it's not the way you children are now. Oh! But it's the word, oh! Just like if you were to hear about your neighbor or your child or your sibling, and when you hear the news, you go, oh, it's mama. It's not just words on the lips. It's an intense expression of what you feel in your heart. That's the way the structure of this verse is. Isaiah, oh. Why is he saying, oh? Like I told you on Tuesday and on Wednesday, there's a certain level of encountering God that when you have encountered God at that level, it marks your life forever. And it becomes an experience that you long for and you hunger for and anything less than that is not satisfying. Oh, and this is why when we have been here in prayer, you know each day has been different. Each service has been different. But each day, there's something that marks us. There's something that God does in our hearts. There's something that God imprints on the heart print of our spirit. Something that God programs into the consciousness of our soul. That even when you tell people, oh, look how about Thalosetsa, you end up saying, I wish you were there. Why? Because I wish, Luena, you could have felt it and sensed it. And let me tell you, I pray to God it never happens. Should years from now, and I pray, I pray, I pray it never happens. But if it ever comes to a time when we don't have this kind of prayers, 
and you're making reference to them, you will say, oh. It was so powerful. Oh. That's the expression. Isaiah says what he says because he knows what God can do. He says what he says because he knows what he is praying for. What he is asking for, what he is calling about is a life-changing, life-transforming thing. Oh, oh, that you would rend the heavens. That you would come down. That the mountains might shake at your presence. Revival is when God rends the heavens and when God comes down. It's when God, that's why we call it a visitation. That's when God visits us. Oh, that you might rend the heavens and that you might come down. Revival is when God, by his spirit, comes down upon us. This is like God raining on us. Now note what he says. Oh, that you might come down and rend the heavens. That the mountains might shake. Then he starts naming what happens when God comes down. Number one, as fire burns brushwood. Write it down. The New English translation says, as when fire ignites dry wood. So when God comes down, when he rends the heavens, when he comes down, Fire begins to burn brushwood or dead wood. What is that? That's a picture and a symbol of dead areas in our life. When revival comes, I'm sure many of you this week, there are several things that have come alive in your heart. Oh, come on. If, if you agree with that, shout hallelujah in the house. You know, I've not been checking what's been there on our Facebook page or on our Twitter account, but I, I think it was on Tuesday or on Wednesday, I just checked a bit, uh, not long. And I was intrigued by this person who wrote, I think it was on Tuesday morning, they were here on Monday. And this person just said, I was at church yesterday. We prayed nonstop for several minutes. Oh, how I have been missing that. It was so nice. Yeah. Think about it, Barcelona. There are people who can hardly pray for five minutes. Marawena, you can pray for 30 minutes for one hour. What has happened? God has ignited things. I know by the Spirit that some of you, the gifts of the Spirit have been brought back into your life. I know some of you, as you read the Word of God, it is fresh, it is new in your life. I know some of you, God has shaken away this lethargy that you used to have. The tiredness, Elena Laliona. God has brought back fire. Come on, if you agree with me, shout amen. Somebody. So when God comes down, the first thing that happens, he removes deadness in our lives. Number two, it says in verse three, the second part, you came down the mountains shook at your presence. Mountains are always, as most of the times, 
are a symbol of difficulty. And because mountains are known to be immovable, Isaiah says when God rents the heavens, he dissolves the immovable difficulties. Somebody needs to go and look out in their lives. There are some immovable difficulties that God has dissolved. Because he came down. And then number three. In verse two he says, As fire causes water to boil. Thirdly, when God comes down and revival comes down, God restores our zeal. It's been amazing to see people as early as four o'clock coming to church. Somebody was telling me, by quarter past five, the auditorium, including the foyer, were already full. After quarter past five, we are going to all Naganjan. And even the people in the youth hall are participating like they're in the main auditorium. Oh, yeah. And then all the churches that are streaming, all the people that are on social media, there's a zeal and a passion that's there. I thank God for restoring our zeal. Ah, you didn't hear me, Bazalan. I said, I thank God for restoring our zeal. Lockdown, in fact, I don't need it. There are still some that we must go and revive. Yeah. But then, Bazalan, by the way, Barnon next week. Baba Barnon next week. Look at your neighbor and say, Bishop Hobon. I'm glad that God is restoring our zeal. Bazalan, we must not apologize for being crazy about God. Oh, come on, somebody give the Lord a big hand in the house. Yeah. Yeah. But when I was driving, I was, I was driving around, I was, I was coming through, I went through some of the other areas. And But as I've been passing, I, I, I'm struck by the amount of people who at certain spots, some not far from some places, the Rekisang Friday and I cannot give a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But from yesterday for it, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right, you're right, you're right from yesterday, from yesterday, serious. 
to me, but you know, this is what I often say to people. I say, if you think how much it costs, To, 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 to be in these things. And, and you know, if the after effects were, were, were nice, it would be something. And like so, I'm sure Baba Ang Bai Mesifala Itawakabalo Kutle. Somebody say zeal. Say it again. I've never understood God's people. When they drag themselves to the things of God. To a place where God is going to do something in your life. Mahala. Something, Something that's going to preserve your life. Something that will be for your eternity. Something that will be for your future. Something that will not only affect you, it will affect your family. It will not only affect you in your spiritual life, it affects your pocketbook, it affects your health, it affects your thinking, it affects your planning, it affects your vision, it affects everything about you. I have never understood why we can't be passionate about God. Can I hear a good amen in the house? But it shows that God is rending the heavens. That's why we are here, all of us and those who are joining us through social media. When God begins to rend the heavens, He causes the fire to boil. He restores our zeal. Number four, the second part of verse two, it says, to make your name known to the adversaries. What does it mean? Unkulu, unkulu, uzo yenzi show off. God is going to bring victory in your life. See, when revival comes, we start seeing victory in certain areas. It may not be all of them. But you start experiencing victory. You start having a good story. You start having a good testimony. And God begins to give you victory. Not only does God give you victory, God begins to strengthen you so that you walk in the fullness of who you are in Christ. When revival comes, we start knowing our authority in Jesus. You know, I never forget, you know, I always tell the story, 1979, you know, when we started praying as a group of young people and God started, you know, to renew our lives and all of that. We started learning about the move of God and the power of God. And as we read the Bible, we saw how we had victory over demonic powers and victory over sickness and disease and so on. Of course, we were young. We made some mistakes. But there were several people, Bazalana, that we prayed for and God delivered them from demon powers. There was a house in a certain area here, Mosoweto, where there was a story that came out in the newspaper. Can I nail newspaper here then? In Essesoweten. World. World. But there was another newspaper here that's almost similar to, hello? Post. I think it came out of the Post newspaper. It was a true story. In this home, 
We don't know what had happened. But we know never. So, whoever had done that to this family, there was a child in that family. Every time they caught anything, it would catch fire. True story, it was in the paper. True story. No, you see, you see, if you've never seen these things, you'll never think it's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. There was that family, and that family had tried everything. So we, we saw it in the newspaper. You know young people, né? <laughs> how crazy we are, right? We decided to go to that family. I couldn't go that day, unfortunately, but the team went. I said, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't able to go. No, I, was, I had some obligation, Kai Kai. I was the leader of the team. We used to go to many houses, many houses. So they went to the house. And they saw it. Saw it live. Toronto. Yeah. That's not entry level, my friend. It's, it's another level. They prayed in that house. That was the end of that. Yeah. Yeah. We were... 1970, how old was I? I was 18 years old. We were 18 year olds, 19 year olds. Others were younger than us, 16 year olds. Because the name of Jesus doesn't care how old you are. It's, it's not about you, it's about the name of Jesus that you use. Another instance, this one I know because it happened to be in a family I knew. In this particular family, the, one of the children there used to see Mashodan. Now you see, if, 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 if you've never been in those things, you'll never, you won't believe it. And not only did they see this Tikoloshi, he never come. And it would target this particular child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went. We went. <laughs> you see, if, if you're not revived, you'll be afraid of the powers of darkness. See, when God revives you, you lose your fear. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. When God revives you, you know that God is your only protection. I don't need anything else. And we prayed in that home. Exactly the same thing. End of it. When I started in ministry, 1983, they brought 16-year-old girl brought by her elder sister. Oh, she was 14. I don't remember how old was this girl. But she was brought by the elder sister. She used to see her, this thing. And it would attack her. And it would scare her. You see, if you've never, if you've never been there, you don't know how it is. And this thing would make her life miserable. So they came to when the church office was still in the garage at my home. So they come into the garage and I'm sitting on the desk, on the table. Not your know, the desk was a table. The table was a desk. <laughs> so I'm sitting behind the table and they're standing there looking at me. So the sister is explaining what the younger sister is going through. And all of a sudden I see this girl, her eyes got so big, so much fear, and she's looking past me. Here. <laughs> You 
You know, you attempted to look already. <laughs> but instead of being afraid, I want you to know this. The anointing of God rose up on the inside of me. And with a powerful rebuke, in the name of Jesus, I commanded that spirit to go. And that was the end for the child. I see God elevating you to that level in the name of Jesus. I said, I see God elevating you to that level. Don't allow spirits to play around with you. Don't allow powers of darkness to play around with you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The name of Jesus is above every other name. And every force and every power of darkness is under the feet of Jesus. When revival comes, God begins to make us experience victory in our lives. It's wonderful to be a victorious Christian. To have victory over demonic powers, victory over sickness and disease, victory in your finances, victory in holy living. Victory in having vision. Victory in the way you order your life. It's wonderful, Barcelona, to know that your life is an ordered life. It's not a life everywhere. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Not that you don't get challenged. Not that you don't go through times of difficulty. You do. But there's a good part of your life that's under control. Because God wants life to be under your control. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that those who have received abundance of grace shall reign in this life through Jesus Christ. God wants you to reign over life. God doesn't want life to reign over you. That is why the Bible says you are a king. You are a priest. A king has a crown on their head. A king is not under anybody else. A king rules and has authority. I am looking at kings in the house tonight. When revival comes, that's why you read in the book of Acts how Philip went down to the city of Samaria that was under the spell of demonic powers. And when he came there, these people who were spellbound, controlled by some people who moved in certain powers, when the servant of God came, the city was delivered. And I love what it says. It says, and there was great joy in that city. Oh, it's a great joy when you are able to sleep at night and how come we get anything? Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. It's a great joy. It's a great joy. It's a great joy. It's a great joy to know that you live in victory. You walk in victory. That even if you may not be experiencing victory, Mara, it's around the corner in the name of Jesus. It's a great joy. It's a great joy. But that happens when God rends the heavens. When God brings revival. Number five. It says that the nations may tremble at your presence. Watch. Revival not only comes to touch you, but it touches you so that 
you can see the world as a global village. What does that mean? When God runs the heavens, your vision gets enlarged. That's why some of you, you are dreaming bigger visions, bigger dreams. That's why we are praying mighty prayers, big prayers. You are not settling for Ntotsenyan. That is why there's something inside that is restless on the inside of you that is pushing you to another level. You don't understand why you want to go further, why you want to do bigger, why you want to be stronger. Why are you dreaming such big dreams? I'll tell you why. Because the rain has fallen on your life. I was telling our pastors, I remembered something that God spoke to me some time ago, about the planting of churches. I won't share it now. But I was telling them, in such and such a place, at such and such a time, we must make sure we have as many churches in that area as we possibly can. You see, when the rain falls on you, you don't think about one church. You put an S at the end of what you're doing. Churches. And there's a faith in your heart. And there's a belief in your heart. There's something that is born in your spirit. See, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he enlarges your vision. Think about it, Basalana. The disciples of Christ were men from Galilee. These were men from a small town. They didn't know big cities. They didn't know what it is to interact with other cultures. They didn't know what it was to be multilingual. Even worse, some of them were not even educated. These were people who because of the small place they came from, it influenced how they thought. But Jesus said before, but Jesus still trusted them. To take the gospel to the whole world. This is somebody who has never even been to Mpumala. Never been to Limpop. But Jesus doesn't even say take the gospel to Mpumala. But then he said, I've given you a big vision. But before you go, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He will make you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. When the Holy Ghost comes upon your life, He enlarges your vision. That's why you see your vision getting bigger. And something stirring in your heart. Number six. Verse three says, when you did awesome things for which we did not look. The New American Standard Bible says, when you did awesome things which we did not expect. The NIV says, long ago you did some wonderful things we didn't expect. Number six. When the rain comes on you and God rains the heavens, the impossible become a reality. 
There are certain things in your life that seems to have been far off. Some of you, maybe you have been writing certain courses, enrolling again and again, Lifeila multiple times. May I prophesy this year you're not going to fail. Oh, I don't hear an amen in the house. I said this year. This year. Some of you might have had ventures in business. Ventures in education. You may have tried to do this dark. I prophesy this is the year where you are getting unstuck. Oh, that you might rend the heavens. That the rain might come down. God says, call, call, call. Call. Pastors, I see you planting more churches in the name of Jesus. (laughs) I see some business people having more businesses than you've ever imagined. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. I see some of you young people going further in your studies than you've ever gone before. Woo! Whatever area you are in, may God take you further in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, I'm going further. Shout again, I'm going further. If you believe that, give the Lord a big hand of praise because you're going further. When you did awesome things for which we didn't look. And finally, he says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by ear. Nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. Number seven, as God rends the heavens, He moves on behalf of those who wait for him. This year, it's going to be a year where you're going to learn how to wait. I see your secret place and your hour of prayer being a different kind of hour of prayer. You know, on Tuesday or Monday, I didn't tell you, as we were worshiping and praying and worshiping and praying and worshiping and praying, I just heard the Lord say to me, these, my children, are going to enter into a time of prayer and worship in their private life. Mamela. That will not be characterized by deadness and dryness. But it will be a time in my presence characterized by the refreshing, invigorating power of my spirit where they will know me more intimately 
It will be a life-giving time as they enter into the closet. And they will start to know my will for their lives. Zalan, this year, I ask you, when you spend time in the secret place, weave in and out of prayer and worship and praise, praying in tongues, in a known language, speaking scriptures, waiting. Go away and be away from all the noise. Stay away from any phone call, from any, any social media. Be alone. Be lost in the presence of God. Just for a while. Even if it's only 30 minutes. This is what I can tell you. By the end of this year, your life will have gone further than you have ever imagined. Mamela, some of you, as you kneel in the presence of God, at that time, God will reveal to you what's coming that day. And you will be able to avoid certain problems and tragedies. Certain people who will bring trouble to your life. Certain deals that are shady deals but nobody told you. God will be able to save you from accidents and tragedies that were meant for you. God will overturn the scheming and the planning of the evil ones who are planning behind your back. Some of you, you will be unconsciously led. You will just do things in jail, not realizing how what you are doing. It is God who is leading you. You will only realize more pega move. I'm glad I waited longer. I'm glad I delayed. I'm glad I didn't take that deal. I'm glad I didn't sign that contract. I'm glad I didn't befriend that person. I'm glad I didn't do that. I didn't know why I didn't want to do it. I didn't know why I was reluctant. I didn't know why I arrived late. I didn't know why I answered two days later. But it was God who was in the process. God who was guiding you. Let the rain fall upon your life in the name of Jesus. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. That you would rend the heavens. That you would rend the heavens. This year, you are going to be led by the Spirit like you've never been led before. That the decisions you make will be God decisions. The things that you do will be things that you are led by God. This year, you are not going to miss any door of God opportunity that God opens. God's going to open a door for you that nobody is going to shut and is going to shut other doors that are dangerous door that even if you try to open it, you can't open it that God's going to move you on. If you believe it, shout amen in the house because God...
Gringo Mionusa, Rambon Grekaleda, Abare Monongroso, Brekala Manduga, Brakala Baruka, Brakala Baruka, Karabaraba Sikatata, Prenderaba Kudebeka, Kanovorovosia, Ongalite, Ongalite, Rebele Betite, Kandolobosikata, Ajinchela Majunolo, Manga Balea Toto, Ekekeleketeke, Ekekeleketesia, we thank you Lord we bless your name Lord hallelujah hallelujah let's all stand I want to pray for the families now <coughs> I want to pray for the families let's stand I just want to make a few statements <clears throat> then we're going to pray when I listen to talk radio, and I've not been listening much to the news or radio this week, uh, on weeks like these I try not to, even though I know it's important, but uh, a lot of things we read about that happen in our nation whether it's teenage pregnancies, whether it's children going to drugs, anything. And people phone in and their first question is, what's the government doing? Now, I do agree that government has a responsibility. But the truth is this. Government will never be able to solve these things because it's the home structure that was bent to solve these things. But when we talk about a home in South Africa or a family, we must think very deeply. There are, there are houses that are child-led. You've got teenagers who are running homes. There are families that are very dysfunctional. Very. And so there's a crisis, Barcelona. And the home is the building block of society. The home is the nucleus of any nation. If things are right there, we don't have to have young people kill one another at school or go into drugs. By and large, sometimes children don't listen, of course. But by and large. And so, one of the things I believe we must do as a church is to do our best to minister to the home. Teach about it, talk about it, 
help as best as we can. But as I'm going to do tonight, pray for the home. I pray that God will bless your home. I pray that because every home here there's a divine mantle that uniquely belongs to you. Every family lineage carries something for the benefit of not just the society, the immediate one, but the country, if not the world. There are homes that produce teachers, medical people, business people, preachers, lawyers. I'm not saying everybody there is a lawyer, but every home, when you look at it, the homes that bring leadership, people in that home, they, they are in leadership. The, the homes that are, have people who are supportive people, your home matters to God. Amen. Matters to God. You see, in the Old Testament, the priest, that's why you see me doing it every time, would pronounce the priestly blessing upon the families. You see, a blessing becomes the supernatural Impartation of the power of God and the divine enablement that makes things work. In the same way, when a blessing has been pronounced upon you, when and things work for you when they shouldn't work. God brings you through when people have written you off. Yeah. And that's why I wanted you to come as families tonight. Would you raise your hand as I pronounce the priestly blessing? Lord, for every family represented whether it is those who are streaming from other churches, from our branches, those on YouTube, our website, Facebook, people in the youth hall, in the foyer, in the auditorium, as we raise our hands to you, God, we express our dependency on you. This is my prayer. When you brought each family here, there's a destiny and a mantle that you have imparted on them. In some families, this mantle has not been realized because Satan, the enemy, has interrupted your plan. But we know Satan's interruption cannot delete the plan of God. We know that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You have marked this family with a divine mark. 
You have put a heavenly chip in these families that heaven can trace. And now I pray as they lift up their hands that you might rent the heavens, rain upon them, and that the seed that has incubated in these families will begin to germinate in the name of Jesus. I speak your blessing, your divine enablement. I release the power of God and I bind every force of darkness that's holding each family hostage and I command you, Satan, let go of God's people in Jesus' name. I pray that a new day will come in these families and that you raise in these families women and men who will carry the vision of the family, who will be the vision bearers, who will be the Nehemiahs of the time. I pray an anointing upon them, a strength upon them, a wisdom upon them, a resilience upon them. That the horn that you have placed on each family will be raised up in the name of Jesus. And I pray that the seeds of greatness in each family will begin to germinate and bud and bear fruit. And I delete every plan of the devil in the name of Jesus to block these families. I pray that this anointing will be upon the parents, upon the children, upon the children's children. I pray that even the family members who don't know Christ will be touched by this prayer where they are in the name of Jesus. I pray that the canopy of glory will rest upon these families, will rest upon each one. I pray that a new day will dawn, a new season will dawn. And this is what I pray for in Jesus' name. And if you agreed with that prayer, you shout the loudest and say. Somebody give the Lord a shout. It's done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bring out your vision. Wherever you have it, just take it in your hands. Hallelujah. My goodness, the presence of God is so strong in this place right now. Jesus. Hold it in your hands. Even if you don't have it here, just think about it and whatever and maybe symbolically. Let's stand on our feet. I know you get tired, but let's stand on our feet for a while. Just hold it up to God like this. Father, you said we must write the vision and make it plain. This is what we've done. So that he who reads it might run. For the vision is for an appointed time. Though it tarries, wait for it. For it surely will come to pass. <laughs> I know every vision needs a strategy, it needs your leadership. And every vision needs provision. And so we commit these visions to you, God. 
believing with all our hearts that we are led by you. And we pray this year that these visions will be manifested. We've come through two years of being held back. Two years of uncertainty. Two years of pain and sorrow. Now you have brought us through the valley of Achor. There's a door of hope. And because opportunity is here, we present these visions. Grant us the wisdom, the strength and the fortitude. Help us that opportunity will dictate our pace our focus and our priority. We know that many other plans in a man's heart but only the Lord's purpose will prevail. We know that only you can grant us favor and only you can grant us success like you did with Nehemiah. And so our dad, our God, our father whom we love, Here we are, your children. We are trying to do your will. We don't want to live purposeless lives. We want to live lives that are purpose-driven and vision-driven. And we believe it's you who has planted this vision in our hearts. May it grow, germinate, and bring forth fruit. And help us, God, to take this vision piece by piece, step by step, that it may come to pass. And so let your blessing and your favor and your strength and your divine ability rest on this vision in Jesus' name. And everybody shout out and say! And everybody shout out and say! If you believe what God says, give the Lord a big hand, everybody! Hallelujah!